dentistry is easy. It's leading the people that are the hardest because I found myself oftentimes getting too far out ahead in front of my team because I like to run and achieve and accomplish and go and push. And my team was so far behind me that they couldn't even hear me calling, you know, across the hill. Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast, a weekly deep dive into the stories that transformed our guests into leaders worth following. I'm your host, Joe Boyd. If you've been enjoying the podcast, thank you so much for being a listener. One simple thing you can do to help us out is leave a review wherever you listen. Today's guest is Dr. Katie Lee. She's a dentist. She's the first dentist we've ever had on the LeaderCast podcast, and I've never been more self-conscious about my teeth. Katie has a story of overcoming significant trauma in her life. As a child, you're going to be on the edge of your seat as you hear her story. Dr. Katie Lee, welcome to the LeaderCast podcast. Super excited to get to know you today. Yeah, thank you. I, you know, I do a ton of podcasts and I got to say this one has me um, a little nervous. Oh, don't be nervous. <laughs> I think it's just the personal <laughs> aspect of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I promise you, everyone who listens to this is a wonderful person. And if you're not, you should just turn it off now. So there you go. <laughs> now you now we're safe. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, you're our very first ever dentist. And thank I, you. That's a badge of honor. So first of all, I'm six months overdue for my cleaning. Shame on you. I know. Shame on you. And my dentist is literally two blocks that way. That's how hard it is for me to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so, we're not everyone's favorite people. We're often compared to um, the likes of DMVs and gynecologists. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I was actually going to ask about that when people say you're a dentist, yeah. what the reaction is. Yeah. It's not a good one. But listen, okay. there's nothing better than a dentist when you're in pain. Yes, that's true. That's so very true. We can in, perform miracles, actually. Yeah, you're more than just a dentist. So tell the folks kind of what you do yeah. and, and who, who you are. Yeah, so um, my I'm definitely at a spot in my career where I'm in a major um, career and life transition. Um, I stopped practicing um, at the beginning of 2023. So I ended up taking a year off just to kind of clear out the mental space Um get creative and try and figure out what I want to do next. Um, I wrote a book on the oral systemic connection, just about how important oral health is to overall health. And that book is called Save by the Mouth. So I wrote that book last year. Um, I was able to have a baby in May, which oh. I've been trying for six years. So that was really important to me to have enough time to spend with my baby. Um, and now I'm just doing some um, consulting services for dental practices, helping them integrate oral systemic health into their office. And then I'm also doing virtual dentistry uh, for patients, um, specifically saliva testing and figuring out how we can improve their oral and gut microbiome and their systemic inflammatory levels. So that's what I'm working on right now, doing some consulting also for dental tech startup companies, um, but trying to figure out what my next big project is going to be. So hopefully I'll know here soon. Cool. Well, congratulations on the baby. That's awesome. Did you want to be in the line of work you were in pretty early on? How did that come about? I mean, I, I always wanted to be a doctor. In fact, I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. I don't know like how much of that I actually um, knew about. I, I think yeah. I always had this um, kind of mindset that you know, if you want to grow up and, and be smart and be successful, you should be a doctor, right? And then plastics just sounded really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and then I had a major life event occur when I was entering high school that kind of changed the tra trajectory of my career. Are you comfortable to talk about that? 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in a, in a small town in Illinois. And so I grew up riding four wheelers, which you probably know what those are being sure. in Ohio. Yeah. I avoid and, them, but I know what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I avoid them mm-hmm. now too. Yeah. Um, and you'll know why here in a minute. Uh, and one day we had gotten back from the lake. It was July 5th, 1998, had a wonderful day at the lake. And right before my friend was about ready to go home, she said, let's hop on the four wheeler and go for a ride before my parents get here. Well, because it was supposed to be just a quick ride, that was the only time I got on the four-wheeler and didn't put my helmet on. Hmm. And somehow I woke up about five days later in a hospital, um, completely mangled. And so what had happened, and I don't remember any of this, but I had crashed headfirst into a telephone pole going 35 miles an hour, no helmet, Um, you know, my teeth pieces of my lip, everything was like still stuck in the pole. It was really horrific. And apparently I got off the four wheeler, walked to a neighbor's house, told them what had happened. Um, They asked if they wanted me to call an ambulance. I said, no, I'm okay. Just please take us to the hospital. So they took us to the hospital. um, And I, I was, you know, in shock. And so I was sitting, they didn't even have enough rooms at our small town hospital to treat me. So they took my friend in because she was screaming her head off. Um, so I just sat in the waiting room, you know, with a brain injury and it was a nurse that came by and kind of looked in my eyes and saw, I wasn't able to track my pupils weren't moving. And she said, Oh my gosh, something's really wrong with this girl. And so they tried to airlift me to a hospital, um, a bigger hospital, but the, um, helicopter was booked from another four wheeler crash that had happened that night. Um, And so they drove me, it was about an hour and a half to get me to the nearest hospital. And so I was unconscious for about five days, um, had emergency surgery that night. And then after that, I had my jaws wired shut for about eight weeks, Um, had my wrist, I broke my wrist as well. And then it was just kind of a mess from that. Um, the surgeries didn't take well. So when they took the wires off my mouth, my jaw was completely fused shut And it was that way for another four years. So it took uh, nine reconstructive surgeries throughout high school uh, for me to be able to open my mouth at all, just to even brush my teeth, um, to fix my smile, repair my wrist. So, yeah, it was a really long journey. So through all of that is how I got into dentistry, actually. That's crazy. Like, that's 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 a whole that's years of your life. Years and and it's the formative years of your life, you know, and I, um, I look back on that now and that was a really hard time, but I think when you're in it, you just kind of put your head down and plow through, um, and you don't really stop to look up and actually think about what's going on with you. And I had no therapy, no, nothing during that time. Was your, um, did you have a supportive family to get through it? Um, yeah, I mean, my parents did everything and anything that they could yeah. to get me the best care possible. You know, I was, I grew up in a small town and so, um, access to, to high level specialty care was really challenging. And so they were blue collar workers, um, and they would have to drive 90 minutes each way. So three hours a day to get me to specialists in Chicago for care. And, you know, that, that's a really heavy financial burden for yeah. a blue collar, family. you know, to take off work and, be able to drive your kid all over the state just to get the best care. Um, so yeah, I mean, they were incredibly supportive. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm sure you've told that story several times, but thank you for telling yeah. it to us. Sure. Um, and every time, you know, 
um, anytime something traumatic happens, we get used to telling the story, but there's still a little part of it that yeah. has to relive it. So I appreciate you telling that. Sure. Sure. Uh, I'm um, happy to. The, uh, so there's a really clear direct, like, was it, was it as simple as like, I, I had this trauma that am, I, I need help with my mouth and that yeah. directed you towards dentistry? Definitely. Yeah. So, um, you know, there were several things. One of them was just how much your mouth impacts your overall health. So, um, you know, obviously my face is mangled, right? I'm missing a bunch of front teeth. The teeth that are left are broken and damaged and, um, they just wired my jaw shut that night. I mean, they had to, right. They had no other option because the first course of action was to fix everything else, um, and worry about the teeth later. Mm -hmm. And so with my jaw being wired shut, those teeth just continue to decay and get infected and everything else. And then having my jaw wired, I couldn't eat. And so, um, nutrition, at least in, in my small little town was not uh forefront of it, people's thinking. And, you know, I think my parents were very much of the mindset of like, give her anything she wants to keep her happy. Yeah. And so I would eat, you know, ice cream and jello and pudding and, you know, boxed mashed potatoes and KFC mashed potatoes mm -hmm. and Dairy Queen and like all the things you shouldn't eat when you can't brush your teeth. Right. And so that just really exacerbated the situation that was going on in my mouth. And so I had a ton of dental infection. Um, I'm missing teeth and I got because I couldn't eat and I wasn't eating anything nutritious. Um, I lost an enormous amount of weight, um, really became emaciated. My liver enzymes spiked, my kidneys started shutting down. And, you know, it was during that time that I was like, oh my gosh, you know, my mouth is really affecting my overall health. And so that was kind of the first piece of it. But then after I got my wires off, there was a big, um, also health because I couldn't open my mouth for, for four years. And so, you know, eating was a challenge, being healthy was a challenge, but also there was this massive mental and emotional toll that it took on me Sure. because I'm a teenage high school girl, yeah. right? Just trying to like date a football player and be a cheerleader and a volleyball player and yeah. all this. So to be missing your front teeth, you know, and they would make me something called a flipper, which is a retainer with a tooth on it. And sometimes I would leave that at home. Like how responsible are your 14 year old kids? Right. right and right. so sometimes I would go to school and I'd forget my teeth at home, mm -hmm. you know, and I turn around to talk to my friends in the morning and they'd be like, Katie, you forgot your teeth. And I'd have like, you know, mortified, have to run home to go pick them up. Um, and then same with, you know, eating lunch. I couldn't mm. eat lunch because I had to take my teeth out to eat. So like there was just a really big social component, um, emotional mental component in high school too, that, that was really tough, you know, and every time you get surgery, your face is yeah. swollen out yeah. to one side and you look deformed and, you know, high school kids are not the nicest. And so I had a plethora of nicknames and so it was tough. So I realized from a very young age, just how much your mouth affects everything. I also had several, sorry, this explanation is getting really long, but oh, I had several, um, you know, I was dealing with all sorts of doctors, right? And the doctors really treated me as if I was just a patient. Like I remember being frustrated because they kept telling me my wrist was going to heal in time for volleyball season. And I was expected to play varsity as a freshman. I was a really good volleyball player. And all I wanted was to play volleyball. And every time I went back in, they kept saying my wrist wasn't healing. And I remember getting really frustrated with the doctor being like, 
can we just take the cast off? Can I just play? Which is a pretty normal response for a 14 year old. And I remember him taking out his dictation device in front of me and dictating that I was this unruly patient that knew nothing about medicine or how the body healed. And I had unrealistic expectations, did it right in front of us. So I experienced quite a bit of that actually from my doctors, but it was my like small town, local dentist that really just had enormous compassion for what I was going through. And like, you know, I could open my mouth maybe half an inch and he would get in and try and do as much dentistry as he could to try and fix my teeth. And, you know, he was really the one that kind of held my hand and helped me get through it emotionally and mentally. And he understood what I was going through. So there was also that realization that dentists are pretty cool people or can be pretty cool people and really care about their patients that may be interested in dentistry too. There's a uh, a really uh, like amazing theme that comes out every three or four of these interviews that I do of someone having a major influence on on a life on a leader early on, and sometimes it's as simple as they just had one thing to say or one day, or someone like your dentist that um, just being the best version of himself ended up yeah. affecting your life forever, you know. Yeah. And now being a dentist and realizing how difficult I was to work on. Yeah. I mean, he never, never showed that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. He never was frustrated with, you know, having to work on me or or getting any of the work done. Um, To be honest, I don't know how he did it because, yeah, I was a really tough patient. I tried to be a good patient, but I just couldn't open, you know, and I had a ton of stuff that he had to fix. And technically a tough, like technically your attitude, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, And he just you know, was patient and kind and empathetic. Talk about dragons that stand in our way. So you have a really, you know, if you're the hero trying to get a treasure in your life, there's a clear dragon with your story Mm -hmm. of of the incident that happened to you. But I wonder if uh, as things progressed, was there anything else that you felt like, whether it's internal or external, that you sort of had to overcome? Because now you're so focused on becoming this, I guess the question is once that starts to happen was, were there other dragons that had to be slayed? Yeah. Yeah. I I think for me, and it's probably not healthy and I should probably talk to someone about this, but um, I always try and find a dragon because I think that keeps me motivated to achieving the next thing. So like initially for, for becoming a dentist, it was twofold. It was one, I got, I got hurt. Right. So there's a reason I got hurt and I need to fulfill kind of that mission. Mm-hmm. The other thing was becoming a dentist to prove to all of the bullies and jerks in high school, yeah. you know, that I am successful and um, can win and can do it. So that was kind of the dragons there. And then, you know, I think once, um, I became a dentist, you know, and started out on my career path. I always, um, I mean, I think everyone is always facing dragons in their life, you know, and it's kind of what you do with them if you'll succeed or not. Yeah. I mean, this might be a a very straightforward person, but typically very, very success driven people have like kind of a, a little bit of a letdown when they realize success, uh, you know, like realizing they're, there must be more than this. I'm curious if you have had that sort of situation. No. Um, I think the opposite. I don't think I've ever realized, I mean, I realize, 
but in the moment, I don't think that I'm very good at realizing that I've achieved that success. Does Mm. that make sense? Like in my mind, it's like, oh, I'm not there yet. Even though I have had a remarkable career in everything that I've done and being able to, to exit at, you know, 38 years old is pretty remarkable, but in my mind, I haven't got there yet. Well, I'm just getting to know you, but we don't let slouchers on the (laughs) podcast. So you must be pretty successful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've done, I've done well. Um, so we're on a leadership podcast. Your story's fascinating. It's obviously shaped you into a certain, uh, into the person you are very strong, obviously over, over, overcoming kind of person. Uh, and, uh, and I'm sure as a, as a medical professional and the other things you've done, you've had people work for you. Um, yes. and I'm curious about, uh, your general approach to leadership and leading individual people that all have different kind of motivations. Uh, yes. what, what kind of leader are you? What, and or what are the what are the attributes you look for in a good leader? Yeah, so that I would say that that's ever evolving, and I tell people all the time. And I spend actually, a, 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 let me back up a minute. A big portion of my success and the scale that I reached was because I spent so much time mentoring other dentists, and mm. that allowed me to grow. Um, and my leadership style definitely changed over time, and it was something that I daily had to work on to improve myself. And I always joke that dentistry is easy. It's leading the people that are the hardest. Yeah. Um, because I found myself oftentimes getting too far out ahead in front of my team mm-hmm. because I like to run and achieve and accomplish and go and push. And my team was so far behind me that they couldn't even hear me calling, you know, yeah. across the hill. Right. And so I constantly had to work on my communication and slow down and try and go back and bring my team with me versus running so far ahead and trying to get them to catch up. Yeah. That was, that was a big learning point for me. Any practical advice for folks that kind of feel that way? Like I am ahead of my team. Were there anything you did to help, help yourself to get back to kind of lead better lead to deal with that? Yeah. I, I mean, there's so much. So I think the biggest thing is just staying in constant contact yeah. I am the type of person that likes to have my hand in as many things as possible, um, you know, which started when I was very, very young. And so that typically will come across as me being distracted or not focused when I'm around my team members. And so I really had to learn to to put down the other things that I was mm-hmm. doing, have intense focus with the team, undistracted time with them. And just paying attention to to what they were doing. And what I found is the more that they were acting out or not acting out, but underperforming um, or getting away from our core values, that was a signal to me that I was way too far out in front of them because yeah. they were completely off track, off course. Yeah. And so that's time to to reset, realign, and then move forward again. And that's kind of the difference in, in the leadership and being a, a great uh, technician, right? Like there's a, yeah. that old book, the E-Myth where um, you try to figure out, am I an entrepreneur or am I just really good at this one thing? And I don't actually want to lead <laughs> a team of people. Yeah. And, yes. and I can see how, especially in the medical profession that um, you may, some folks may just want to be a doctor, just want to be a dentist, but you end up with your own practice yeah. and you have to be a good leader or, or you can't be the best professional you want to be. Yeah. And I think something else to, to, note is like leaders, some leaders are born, I'm sure, but leadership is something that you have to work at and hone that craft, just like you do as a clinician or a technician or, you know, a doctor. 
Um, and it, I spent, I always joked, you know, dentists are notorious for reading every dental magazine out there, science magazine, and going to all these technical conferences. I spent maybe five, 10% of my time doing that. I spent 90% of my free time learning about how to be a better leader and better business owner. I mean, I think that that served me much better than, than learning how to be a better dentist. Well, I'm going to, we're going to put that all over our, our marketing. So thank you. Uh, that, that's, that's what we do. Right? The hope of the try And sometimes, sometimes people do need to remind that leadership is just yeah. as important, maybe more important than the, you know, to learn and to grow and to constantly be uh, putting yourself in situations to be experience new things. I could be the best dentist on the planet. Right. But if I don't know how to lead people, meaning leading my patients, even towards getting the care they need or leading my team, my patients are going to work against me and my team is going to work against me. And then I can't do what I'm really good at. So I learned that, you know, that's two pieces of the pie and doing dentistry is one piece of the pie. So I better focus on the two pieces first. Um, So I spend a lot of time doing that. I love that. Uh, Hey, well, we're coming close to the end of our time, but I do want to, at the very beginning, you said you're kind of, I don't know. I don't think you use the word crossroads, but you're at a place where you're trying to figure out what's next. Um, A lot of us end up there. I've been there plenty of times in my life. Uh, I'm just curious in real time right now, as we sit here, how, how are you processing? How are you going to make that decision? I mean, and I don't know if I have the right answer to that, but I can tell you what I'm doing right now. So I'm kind of in this receiving um, space. And what I'm trying to do is sit back hmm. and receive what the universe is trying to give me. I think so often entrepreneurs and successful people plow their way to success. And I did that for 13 years. Yeah. Now I'm trying to like sit back and kind of see what comes. And so, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, like all these different things that I'm kind of tipping my uh, toe in right now. And yeah. it's been really fun, but I, I'm very clear on what my values are and what my true North is. Mm. And so every opportunity that is coming in, I'm weighing against, you know, is this what I want to be doing with my time? Is this, you know, where I want to be working? Is this, you know, going to afford me the time that I want with my son? Do I get to be creative? What's my control level? And if it doesn't check all the boxes, I'm learning how to say no, which that's very hard for me to do. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I I have a hunch you're going to, and you're going to be fine. We'll see. I just have a hunch you're going to figure it out. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to get to know you. Uh, You are now part of the LeaderCast family. So thank you for being on our platform and being a part of this. Uh, and I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me on. In today's ultra-competitive job market, top-tier talent are leaving companies in search of top-tier professional development. Now more than ever, you must invest in your emerging leaders. LeaderCast 365 is a world-class professional development system featuring access to three annual LeaderCast events, a post-event journey to activate the inspiration and insights gained from LeaderCast events, plug-and-play lunch-and-learn programs with group discussion questions, concise video courses to address weaknesses and build upon strengths, and our library of more than 1,200 short-form videos from a slate of industry experts organized into 16 key professional development categories. Invest in your all-star employees and attract new top talent to join them with LeaderCast 365.